Uh, welcome everybody to episode 23 of Zoomcast, uh, Australia's fastest growing real estate podcast, I might add. I'm Matt Grimmer and today we've got another special guest in the building. He's back in real estate circles after a little bit of a, a hiatus and some time away from the game, at least from a listing and selling perspective. I speak, of course, of uh, Gartland's very own, if you haven't noticed, Will Ainsworth. G'day, Will. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for the uh, very kind introduction. It's good to be yeah. on. Just making sure you do work for Gartland, Will. I mean, that's a pretty uh, pretty extensive backdrop you've got rolling with. You did say before you press record, you take the piss and you've done it very nicely. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, mate. How yeah. long did it take you to work on the background, Will? Did you, um, did you get that rolling yourself? That was a very quick email to our head of marketing saying, can you knock one up for me? Because this is free promo for an independent agency. I don't even know why I'd promote it. <laughs> Anyway, uh, either that or the dirty laundry in the background. So I figured this is the better alternative. No, I like it. You're the first guest to go with a green screen backdrop and uh, may continue for uh, future Zoomcast guests. Mate, how are you? As I said, uh, I don't uh, make any bones about it. You, you had a bit of a hiatus. You were, uh, and I think you will be again, you were one of Geelong's top performing estate agents. Uh, there have been multiple channels to suggest that you were a guy that could write uh, 100 deals in a year. Uh, you were the principal of a McGrath office doing some beautiful things. And uh, and then for reasons which I'm sure you'll share, you stepped out of the game, uh, but you're back. You're back. Talk me through I am uh, back. How, it, how it's all come about. Well, it's, uh, it's been a bit of a journey. It has, Matt. I don't even know where to start, but, um, and I don't want to put a dampener on your Zoom cast, but when you say successful, it's interesting how we define success in real estate. If it's number of transactions, then yeah, I guess I was in the top echelon. If it's um, having time outside work and not being stressed and having a fulfilling family life and all that sort of stuff, then mm. I was very unsuccessful, um, which is probably what led me to, uh, for lack of a better word, retire, give up, whatever you want to call um, my profession. And I genuinely, when I finished up about two years ago to the day, was never getting back into real estate, couldn't think of anything worse. I hated it. I hated buyers. I hated sellers. I hated real estate agents. Anything to do with it, I yeah. hated it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, probably a fairly strong way to start this, but that was my mindset about two years ago, and naturally it's changed a lot since then. Hence you know, and back. Not, not to chop you off, um, Zoom has that little functionality, of course, where you can only speak one at a time, but... Um, Will, I didn't know you and I used to follow you. I used to follow you on Instagram. Uh, why did I follow you? Because I'm a real estate agent and I saw that you were a uh, successful real estate agent on the outside and you were doing great deals and I'd see you um, do various interviews or be on podcasts and I thought, gee, this is, as an agent, someone trying to get better, I, uh, I thought I'd, I'd follow you. you. You don't know this and I don't think I've ever shared it with you, but I still didn't know you at the time that you hung the boots up and I remember that you put up a pretty... Um, pretty compelling Instagram post. It was really open and raw and um, might just stop me in my tracks. I, I read it and I reckon we actually, me and some some people that are in a real estate circle spoke about it. And again, I didn't know you from from Adam. Um, so it had an impact on on some people in the industry. Uh, maybe talk the listeners through that who aren't aware of, of the post and, and, and maybe the exit that, uh, that occurred. Yeah, well, it's not coincidental. It was around the time that COVID hit for the first time and we're all in complete utter shock and running around crazy, not knowing what the hell life was throwing at us. And we all got locked down and had time um, that we hadn't had for goodness knows how many years prior to that. So not just me, but everyone, I think, sat back and 
had an opportunity to reassess their life and 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 everything that's been involved in their life up until that moment and yeah. I was tired I didn't realize how tired and exhausted and I've and I'm happy to touch on it later I've suffered from depression for 10 15 years and um and I had been kind of overlooking that everything that was kind of bad in my head was coming up and it was bubbling to the the, the, the surface and yeah. I just got to the point and I honestly made the decision over the space of three or four days to finish a 16 year career. It, I'd had enough. Like I couldn't, I can't say any, anything else other than um, people were ringing me for appraisals while I was at home and I wasn't answering my phone. And you know, as well as I do as a real estate agent, if you're not calling appraisals back, what have you got? Yeah. 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 Uh, so that was me. Extraordinary. And no doubt there would have been, uh, I, 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 as I said, mate, you answer what you want to answer and you tell me to get stuffed on some of the things that you don't necessarily want to speak about. And I promise that's okay. But um, there would have been, do, do you think it was it was the job, career, industry that that had an impact on, on the mental health? Or do you think there were some outside liars and then contributing to, you know, a career that can be really stressful and, and very full on and all encompassing that might have just uh, all put itself in the wash together? Yeah, I'd say the career definitely, um, <clears throat> once again, for lack of a better word, helps the depression, if you like. But yep. prior to real estate, I, I was um, <clears throat> a very heavy drinker um, and uh, a bit of a partier. I didn't really do drugs, but I drank a lot. Yeah. And my parents went through, and this is nothing you know, out of the ordinary, went through a fairly um, bitter divorce and a few other bits and pieces that occurred in my life over a sort of condensed period of time. And... Uh, I fell into a huge hole of depression a couple of years into my real estate career. And I actually finished up at a, at a previous time as well. I sat on the couch for nine months trying to um, get mentally healthy again and um, with psychologists and medication, all that sort of yeah. stuff. And I finally worked my way back into a mindset that I could get back into real estate. Um, but albeit um, knowing what I knew, I could pick up very quickly when I was falling down that slippery slope again. So I was always very um, conscious of not going too hard. Yep. Um, and if I did, I knew that the sacrifice would be probably a few days of, of very low mental health. Yeah. So I went through that cycle for 12 years. Isn't that amazing. Uh, you beautifully said it earlier, I reckon, when you're talking about the definition of success and uh, on the outside, looking in, you know, so many transactions and deals being done, but some demons that are being fought internally. Uh, geez, it must have been a mountain uh, effort from you to still do the amount of volume you were doing. You are a volume-based agent. I mean, you, you, your average fee, I think, might have been, and you correct me if I'm wrong, 12 or 13K. You're probably selling average sale prices of six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars $800,000. You're not selling um, Turak thumpers that are, you know, 15 million plus, um, and you were able to do so much volume, largely based on some systems and processes that you you were quick to identify early that uh, held you in good stead for a very long time, and maybe even helped uh, when when things got uh, when things got dark for you. Oh, and you you've summarised it really well, Matt. I when I got back from uh, when I came back to real estate after that stage of depression, I I was on a income protection um, while while I was off, and then in order to enter the workforce again, I had to enter part time. Right. That actually only allowed me to go back to real estate one day a week. I try, try conducting real estate one day a week. It's just yeah. impossible. So from day one, I put on a team member 
Um, so I would go in and Mondays would be my appraisal day. I would just churn through as many appraisals and list as many properties as I could. Then I would leave and I would delegate the rest to my team member. Yeah, right. And a few months later, two days a week and then three days a week. And bit by bit, I ended up coming back full time. I still didn't work Fridays. Um, and so what that made me do, it forced me for someone who's a control freak and a perfectionist and all the things that I think make probably a lot of real estate agents up. I had to delegate. I had no option. And so it was a really valuable lesson that I was taught um, without even wanting it was that I had to delegate and I had to delegate systems and processes to other people. And so, like you said, that held me in good stead for when times were tough and it held me in good stead when times were going well. Yeah, amazing. It really is an amazing backstory, <laughs> Will. So we've had some we've had some dark times and we've had some great success. You got out of the industry because uh, things were uh, where you needed to change and, and things needed to change up for you. Mm. Mate, the million dollar question, why in God's name are you back in the game? What, what has been eating away at you uh, whilst you've been doing a couple of other things on the side that have made you want to get back into it all? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm still yet to actually know the answer. Um, but the reality is um, when I was on the sidelines, as we call it, I was actually still uh, working in in some uh, a parallel industry to real estate. So I was yeah. doing some online sales and um, I was doing some coaching and mentoring. I even did some for you at, at Marshall White. So I was actually in the throes of dealing with real estate agents full time. Um, you're losing light. Did, did Jack, uh, we've Jack got an auto switch that sure. keeps going on and off, mate, but keep going. We just work through these things on Zoomcast. We, we absolutely do. There's no <laughs> stopping. Um, so uh, while I was on the sidelines, as I said, I was dealing with a lot of real estate agents and that was kind of fulfilling enough for me because, I mean, we're both fans of AFL. You play AFL and then a lot of players retire and then what do they become? Coaches. Yeah. So I, in my mind, I'd gone from one to the next. I was coaching but I was probably someone who maybe retired a bit early and still had a few years left in them. And I thought, you know what, I reckon I've still got it. Um, and after having a lot of time out, I realized that it wasn't real estate that I didn't like. It was the way I had conducted real estate and the pressures I'd put on myself conducting real estate that I didn't like. Mm. So when I made the decision to come back, I've made a few promises to myself that I will come back, but it will be under the pretense of I will only do a certain number of transactions and I'll only deal with a certain number of clients. Um, I will only work a certain number of hours a week. They are things that I have written down that I will not compromise on. Um, and I know that sounds really arrogant and cocky and some agents watching might go, well, I can't do that because I'm new or I can't do that because this, that and the other. And I completely understand that. This is just me I'm talking about, nobody else. Yep. Um, and I'm sure we're going to talk about, you know, I've only been back for six weeks, but I can tell you uh, a number of differences that I've already noticed since being back. Yeah, uh, and you segue beautifully. One of the things I had written down coming into this was, I'm so curious to, to uh, understand. I mean, so many people say to me that, Matt, real estate's a great gig. It's all-encompassing. It's a career. It's a lifestyle. It's not a job, et cetera, et cetera. But people are often fearful to leave uh, the industry or take a genuinely extended break because they fear that the clients that they've been working with or chasing for a long period of time might just happen to want to sell their piece of real estate during that hiatus period. Uh, did you find yourself 
um, feeling like he'd had some missed opportunities in the beginning when he stepped away from it? Most definitely. I mean, the market, as we all saw, was meant to go down 30%. It went up 30%. Yeah. So I'm sitting back watching REA and seeing all these listings come on that more than likely would have been my listings going, right, well, that just sold for 1.2 at 2%. Right, oh, that's 24 grand. I've just missed out on there. That's this, that's that. But very quickly, I had to understand that you can't be playing but sitting on the sidelines as one or the other. So I had to, I deleted the app and moved on from that. I didn't buy the Geelong advertiser and read the GT every week and see all the listings. Um, I just had to understand that that was no longer part of my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess similar to if you were on dating apps and you then found the partner, if you sat there and kept on looking at the dating apps, I can't imagine that would go too well for you. So I just had to cut the mustard and move on. So nice analogy, Will. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm sure some of our listeners might. Um, tell me, uh, I'm being cheeky, by the way. Tell me, um, uh, what are some of the, the main differences that you've seen being out of it and then coming back into it? I'd imagine that a lot changes, but not much changes in uh, in that sense of uh, mm. doing the the one percenters, prospecting, cold calling, door knocking, uh, getting back in touch with past clients. Um, there'd be a good prospecting strategy. But yeah, what are some of the differences that you've noticed? Uh, well, it's interesting because doing the coaching with you guys, uh, what I coached, I'm not doing any of whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry if Jack Bongiorno is watching this, but uh, <laughs> what I told you to do, I, 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 I can stand I can stand true and tell you categorically, I've not made one prospecting phone call, not one. Is that right? What I have done was on the 1st of January, when I started, I put a social media post out saying, yeah. I'm now back in real estate. Anyone who's thinking of selling, I'd really love the opportunity to look after you. I got four listings the first week, four listings in four days. And they were for pe from people who I'd done business for in the past or I knew or had some level of relationship with. Yep. And so I have got every listing up until now, which happens to be, I think I've listed 12 now in the last six weeks since I started back. I have got all of them from social media and from referrals. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think then, it's interesting you say that, do you think things like, I've asked this question before on Zoomcast and it's amazing the uh, different responses you get and I don't think there's any right or wrong to this, by the way. Do you think things like listing presentations are sometimes overrated, mate, that it's more about being a person who can help somebody solve a problem as opposed to, <clears throat> okay, now I'll pull out my marketing schedule and now I'll talk through why uh, I was able to sell that property for $40,000 over. Or uh, do you sort of see where I'm going with that question? I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and I think the answer is there's different strokes for different folks. So if you're, <laughs> if you're new in your career or you haven't quite built a reputation, of course, you need to show that potential client that you have the best ability to extract the best outcome for them and take them through the entire process. Yeah. But no doubt about it in my mind that you do need to do all the one percenters. You need to drop the pre-list kits. You need to turn up on time. You need to be well presented. Well, you need to do that anyway. Um, but you need to tick every single box to ensure that you put yourself in the box seat. Pardon saying box now three times. Got it. For me, I'll give you an example. Today, hmm. I went into a listing at 11.30. The guy, and it's it's a $2.8 million property in Newtown, which we spoke about the average sale price. This is well and truly up there in, in the highest prices getting around. So a very high caliber property. He quickly answered the door and said, oh, Will, I'm just on a Zoom meeting. Can you just show yourself around? I said, no worries at all. 
he went on his Zoom meeting. I walked around, beautiful home. Um, and then I went to the kitchen. He's still on the Zoom meeting. And he goes, guys, I'm just going to go on mute for 10 minutes and I'll be back. He, he goes, what, what do you think it's worth, Will? And I said, these are the comparables here. Um, and he goes, right, let's do it. And I said, oh, what do you mean? He goes, well, I, I want to get this moving. And I said, oh, so do you want to sign up? And he goes, yeah. Yeah. But okay. Um, and so I was a bit flustered because I wasn't expecting that. So I pulled out the authority pad. I pulled out the marketing. I said, I'll take you through the marketing. He goes, no, 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 no. That's your, that's your game. You just do whatever you want. Wow. And I went, okay, well, I'll just tell you what I'm doing. I'm doing this, 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 and this. And it's going to come to seven and a half grand. He goes, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, and I started filling out the authority and I got to the commission part. And I got a bit confused because I'm like, I don't know what to charge this bloke. Part of me wants to charge him less because he's just going with me because of the recommendation. The other part of me is like, well, he wants to go with me, so I should charge him as much as I possibly can. I was in the space of 10 seconds going in and out of what to do. So I ended up charging him my, my, sta my standard rate, and if there's any Geelong people watching, that's 2% plus GST. That's what I charge as many people as I possibly can. Sure. And he went, yep, cool. And within, I reckon, 12 minutes, I'd signed up one of the dearest properties in Newtown for an auction campaign, full marketing, my fee, and I walked out the door. And so that comes from 16 years of building a reputation. It, it doesn't come from um, anything else. You agents watching this are going, how the bloody hell do you do that? And I think you've answered that beautifully, that uh, every single time you have an opportunity to list a piece of real estate or help a person in the market, even if it's helping somebody buy a piece of real estate that's not listed by your firm, they may just flick your name and number to somebody who does own the uh, the piece of real estate or the caliber of real estate that Will just mentioned, and uh, bang, you're in the door and away you go. And that's a beautiful example where it's not too complicated. Then there are other examples, Will, where there's three or four or five agents in the door. Uh, everybody's got a different opinion on uh, the likely value. Everybody's trying to cut a corner or two to get their costs uh down or reasonable, even at uh, the detriment of the marketing campaign. And uh, sometimes it works in a, a different direction. Yeah, it does. And I think one of my biggest things, that, and I mentioned at the start, I've got these um, non-negotiables, is I'm saying no to business. I had never, ever, ever done that in the past, ever. I would go to, I would probably, if someone rang me and said they've got a two-bedroom unit in Armadale, I'd probably compete against you and try and get it. <laughs> that, and I would lose, but I would have given you, it my you, best shot. You'd knock me off comfortably, I would have thought. Never. So, whereas now I said, I've said no to three pieces of business that have actually rung me and said, um, we're happy to go with you. And I've been polite about it, but the reasons I haven't um, listed their property is because the interaction from the moment they contacted me to the moment they called me and said, we want to list with you. It hasn't felt right in, in, right. in some way, shape or form. We all get gut feelings about things. Yeah. And often we go, we'll do it anyway. And then that vendor is a pain in the ass. They give you a bad review. They, they don't want to pay the marketing or whatever thing they do that makes your life bad. Mm. I don't want that in my life. Mm. And I'm prepared to forego some fee to, to not have that. It's not worth it to me. Yep. And I would rather spend my time dealing with people that trust and respect me as a professional um, than people that are going to live, give me the listing, but then dictate how that whole campaign is going to be run yep. at a low fee, at the price they want. It just, to me, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well said, mate. I, I'm jumping around a bit here, and I, I'm sort of—I don't mean to, but uh, that's just my style. Um, you're you're a, a family man, a wife, couple of kids. Um, when you made the decision to go back to real estate, I'd imagine that the four walls in the in the Ainsworth Ainsworth household would have been uh, rocking and rolling. I reckon there would have been a few ebbs and flows in terms of your decision making process, and uh, there would have been uh, some concern about the reasons why you're out of the industry and wanting to go back. Uh, there would have also been uh, you were you know you're a financial earner and, and you can make some really good money for the family and and do what you do because of the skill set you've got. But talk me through uh, moments with your family when you made the decision to come back. Yeah, well, firstly, the financial side of it had absolutely zero impact on my decision whatsoever, and it never has been a financial thing. Yes, we get rewarded handsomely for doing a good job, but I don't. I'm sure you're the same. When I sell a property, I don't really think during it, what's my fee? It just happens to go on the file at the end. Um, so the, the, the reality was when I spoke to Lauren, my wife, it was, is this what you want to do? Is this like, is this going to fulfill you? Yeah. But yes, it is. Well, there's the answer for you. Like just do whatever is going to be fulfilling for you. And yes, it pays the bill. So there's two ticks. Um, but as I said, I'm not going to compromise. So I've said to her in winter, when my boys play footy early in the morning on Saturday mornings, I'll be at every game. And I, if someone says to me, I won't list my property because I want you to do an open or an auction around that time, I'm sorry, that's not what I'm, I'm here to do. So my family comes first. Um, however, when I list a client's property under the pretense of that, then they also uh, are very important to me. So as long as you set the standard at the start, you can't go wrong. I'm not going to lie to someone and list their property and then go, oh, by the way, I can only do your opens in the afternoon because my kids play footy. That's disrespectful to them. I'll tell them at the start, and if they're happy to move forward, at least we've laid the ground rules and no one can be disappointed. Yeah. Um, and to me, same with Fridays. I take Friday afternoons off. I tell every list, every vendor at the start, just so you know, I try and take a bit of Friday afternoon off to, to regenerate for Saturday. So I'm you know, primed for your open home and your auction. Hope you're okay with that. No problem at all. Guess no one contacts me on Friday afternoons. Interesting, isn't it? Setting the expectation up front, actually being honest and, and genuine as opposed to feeling like you've got to be uh, there for everybody at all times. Um, and you might actually win a few more points. It's a, it's a really good point. Uh, do you feel like you're doing real estate in a bit of a different way that, that can help cover um, things that are most important to your family and time and still give a great level of service on the other end and, and uh, you know, have the ego out there? I mean, that's, you know, that's a part yeah. of it as well. And that's a battle I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing as of today. I know we spoke before today's mm. session and there's no doubt about it. Today, I've actually, for the first time in a long time, felt a bit stressed that at the end of the day, I've actually probably got more to do than I started at the start of today. So, and, and, there, and I am having a chat with my boss. I had one with him today about, you know, these expectations I set. Well, I feel like I'm getting pushing the boundaries a little bit and we need to change. And so... When I got out of real estate, as I said, I had 14 members and, and me. So I had people doing all my admin, all my marketing, all my buyers, all everything. I was literally listing properties and dealing with vendors and that, that was it. Yeah. So what I'm loving about real estate now is I'm actually experiencing the full gamut of what you get to experience as an individual real estate from agent, from signing up the listing to then turning up to the photo shoot and dealing with the marketing. And that takes time. So yes, it is more time out of my day, but I'm also loving doing something that I actually haven't done for probably seven or eight years yeah. Um, and dealing with buyers. I'm spending so much more time on the phone with buyers trying to help them as opposed to just answering the question of when the open home is this Saturday. 
Um, and that's really fulfilling for me because I can sense in their voice that there's someone on the other end of the line who's actually there to help them and care about them. And that's once again, that's fulfilling. And that's, I'm enjoying the job because of that. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. What's the message in that? Do you reckon, Will? I mean, there's some people that are running at such a pace that do have uh, EBUs and um, they, they can't be to every photo appointment or they can't call every buyer or they, they can't put together every report for the vendor meeting or whatever the case may be. And they should be behind most of that stuff or at least be across, you know, what's going out before it goes out. But what, what do you think the message in that is? Is it horses for courses, depending on how you want to structure up? I think so. I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't believe there's one way to do real estate. There's, there's yeah. a multitude of ways. And that's the exciting thing of this industry is I can do, something completely different and still be equally successful as someone who's who's doing the run of the mill stuff and and that's part of what i enjoy about real estate is i'm always pushing the boundaries of what what's new and what can be changed and what can be updated and i don't think any of my weeks are the same as the previous week i'm always adding and taking away stuff for my business but to answer your question we go back to what you asked at the start and that's success i mean the reb top 100 are they the most successful agents in the industry? I guess their group certificate would say they are. Are they the happiest people in the industry? I guess you ask their spouse and I'd say no. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. It, it's a balance, isn't it? And there are some people that, um, that have goals and aspirations to be at the very pointy end of that list and, and it means a lot to them and it will fulfil uh, them in, in terms of ticking off their goals and then uh, perhaps some other people doing it in a bit of a different way. But um uh, you're right. There's not one way to skinny cat in this game, Will. That's for bloody sure. That's for sure. No, no, no. I reckon agents get a bad rap sometimes, and, and a lot of times they deserve it. Uh, the old adage of um, uh, they weren't truthful, they weren't honest, they never called me back, they uh, they said one thing and did another. Um, so we know what agents are, are well known for, for not doing. I was curious to get your opinion on some of the things that agents and successful agents actually do really well like in terms of other uh, not necessarily other professions but one top agent or top performer to another what are two or three points that you reckon people do really really well that that helps their career like i said at the start uh well not start halfway through is they set the expectations with whether the client's a buyer or a seller they set it at the start and then they follow through with that you, you put yourself in 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 a consumer shoes and what do you want you want someone who shows you the path and shows you how it's done and then takes you on that journey and does everything they've promised they're going to do. It, the, the problem is, as you've just alluded to, is that agents lie or they say they'll do something and then they don't. I mean, that's just a recipe for, for building um, an untrustworthy profession. I, I just don't, whether it serves me right or wrong, that's not the point of being in real estate. It's what the client wants. So to the detriment of my commission, I'll tell someone something, whether it's right or wrong. Yeah. To the point where sometimes a buyer goes, well, I, I don't want to buy the property because of that. that. That's fine, but that is how the property is. And I have to tell the vendor that's what I said because that's what the property is. Yeah. So it's, it's like they say, if you're a liar, you've got to have a bloody good memory. I, I don't have a very good memory. And that's not why I tell the truth. But I just can walk around and I can tell every buyer that's come through a property the same stuff. When they say how many buyers are there looking at this property coming to auction on Saturday, there's three. And when they ring me the next time, I go, one's dropped off. There's now two, you and one other. 
There might be others out there that I haven't, they haven't revealed themselves to me, but that's what I've experienced in my research. And then when they turn up on auction day and there's two bidders and then it passes in and I am negotiating with them, I've built rapport and trust with that person to the point where when I say to them, you really need to pay an extra 10 to secure this property, they're going to go back. They're not going to know it, but subconsciously they're going to go back and go, oh, this guy has done everything and told me everything right up until now. And therefore I'm going to, not because of that, but they feel comfortable to pay that extra 10 grand. Yeah. If I, if I do the opposite and there's five bidders and I then at the end go, I need you to pay five grand, they're going to be like, but you fucked me over with the five bidders. Yeah. So, so no. Yep. So yes, I've told them there's less bidders, but it's built enough trust that when I pass it in, they're prepared to pay that extra amount because I've told them to. Yep. So as I said, whether it's to the detriment of the client, just, just tell the bloody truth. Yeah. It, it's a really good, I had a, um, not to inject myself in your interview, just quickly, I had a, a property that's set for auction in a couple of weeks time. We had a price guide of 650 to seven, and we got an offer, uh, well, when I say an offer, an emailed offer with, with a number in it, uh, at 705, just, just north of the top end of the price guide. And it hasn't been rejected on the notion of price, but on the vendor's desire to want to progress through to auction and have their day in the sun. So I've communicated that to the buyer. To be responsible to the market, though, I've changed the price to reflect the 705 that was offered um, and not necessarily rejected, but just not stopping our process of moving ahead. Long story cut short, I had a, champ, uh, I had a chap call me, yesterday uh, who I'd left a voicemail message for and he called me back to say, Matt, I'd noticed that the price has changed to 705. Can you tell me what that's about? I said exactly that. We, we had a chap express some interest pre-auction at 705, not rejected on the notion of price, but the vendor wants to move through to auction. So I just want to be responsible to the market and update the price. But you should have heard the response on the phone. You can almost feel him hugging you going, thank you. Thanks for telling me that that the interest is there, that that's, um, we're going to have to pay more than seven to try and own this. I said, no, no problem at all. Um, so it's amazing, isn't it? And uh, I don't know whether that chap's going to buy the property. I don't know whether we've still got interest in it, but uh, I do know that he, he responded favourably to uh, maybe a point of difference of someone being up front with him. But all due respect, Matt, was that really hard to do? Uh, no, God, no, not at all. You've just no. told him what's happening I, I don't understand what this whole notion is of making shit up just yeah. tell it how it is yeah it, i yeah anyway we could go on for days about that and that, that that is a huge bugbear of mine in this industry and i'll never we'll never eradicate it all but um I, I can guarantee anyone watching this or listening to this if you just tell everyone the same stuff and the truth you will be amazed it may not pay off in that particular transaction but what it will do for you down the track um, it will come back to you tenfold, I can guarantee it. You know what helps with telling the truth, Will? Knowing the story, having the knowledge behind the truth to help you. Because a lot of people sleep up or, or don't know an answer and they feel that they need to inject uh, an answer to get the inquiry off their plate, even though the answer may or may not be uh, the truth. They're not intending on lying to that person. But they don't know enough about the situation to actually give them the right information and it can absolutely come back and bite you in the bum. So if you don't know, say you don't know. And if you can acquire some better knowledge before you go to the open for inspection or before you list a piece of real estate live online, owners court fees, council rates, water rates, expected rental return, how many are in the block, whether it's Strata or Stratum or company title, as much information about the property as you can before you start will help you tell the truth more often. All right. I've been guilty of that in the past, not telling 
um, porky pies, but not knowing enough about the property. It's, yeah. it's something yeah. I've been a little bit famous for in a, in a past career in real estate, just turning up to the first open when I really, I went and listed it. Three weeks later, I've turned up to the open. I'm like, I can't even remember how many bedrooms this place has. Wow, yeah. Um, and that that's my fault and I, I shouldn't have done it like that. But um, now it's different because I'm turning up to the photo shoot and I'm having a chat to the owner and I'm talking, walking around saying, tell me a bit about the home, why you love it, all that sort of stuff that we, we do. And then I project that to the buyers and lo and behold, they emotionally fall in love with the home and we get a great outcome. Yep. Yep. Mate, well said, are you still mentoring and, and coaching some agents on the side? Do you still have agents reach out to you and um, pick your brain on, on uh, some advice in terms of what they're doing? Yeah, I get, um, because of um, the coaching I was doing in the past, I do have a fairly big social media following of agents. Um, so I get numerous agents contact me asking for coaching mentoring and um some just ask me questions about you know i'm new to the industry what should i do or any manner of things um yeah so definitely yeah yeah got it and you're you're massive on on social media one thing that i've noticed you do is not just uh, post a sold sticker or a just listed but you're quite it appears as though you're quite interactive with your audience you've got a lot of polls and a lot of questions and a lot of you're using all of the Instagram functionality that, that's on offer to get people to engage with you. I, I assume that's something you do consciously and, and it works for you in terms of, as you said earlier, uh, attracting some new business in the door of Will Ainsworth. Um, I could give you the answer that I think people would want to hear, but the reality is I make shit up as I go all the time. <laughs> and when I started, it, it's like I said, I try different things. Part of what I think I've been successful in the past is I, I don't, I'm a big believer that if there's a decision to make, making no decision is a decision. So I just make a decision whether it's right or wrong and I do something. I just like to act on things. Often I make the wrong decision. I go, shit, that, no, that didn't work. I won't do that again, but I tried. Mm. And so I just try all, all, all manner of things. And with Instagram, obviously, they're all there for you to try. So why not just put yourself out there, ask a question. If no one answers it, don't do it again or try a different question. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I put something up and go, this is going to fly and I get nothing. Right. And others I'm like, this is such a lame question, but I'll do it anyway. And they go off. So I don't know what people want, but I just try and I just find a niche. I mean, I now start to work out, okay, the community that follow me on social media, I kind of know now the, the people who respond and what they like and what they don't like. And I just sort of cater to their needs. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Will, uh, some people uh, are, are embarrassed or, or they're nervous about what other people might think about the sort of stuff they put out there. You have absolutely smashed my Instagram page to pieces when it comes to the amount of content you've put out since January 1. So I've seen you every single day uh, and know, A, that you're back in real estate, B, that you work for Gartland, C, that you dominate the, uh, the town of Geelong. I'll tell you what, find a listing or a referral or somebody that wanted to buy or sell a piece of real estate in your part of the world, I'd have no hesitation just because I think you're active and you're out there and you're, you're doing some nice things. So um, take that as you as you wish, but um, but I think it's had an impact. Thanks, Matt. We got mm. a bit of a joke. We've got some friends, uh, neighbours who are friends of ours, and we've got a little WhatsApp group going between my wife and them. And um, something mentioned about Gartland the other day, and and our neighbour's wife said, "Oh, Will, you work at Gartland? I had no idea. Like just completely facetious, just like." I can hell who doesn't know you work at Garland now. So, um, and that's what it's about. For me, it's, you know, I'm promoting my business. I'm promoting me. Um, but 
I also always, whenever I post something, I always look at it from the recipient and go, what would they like to see? Mm. Now, I can't cater for everyone because that's not possible, but I try and cater for the masses. And I, I often say to myself, what would a vendor ask me in a listing presentation? Or what would a buyer ask me at an open home? Yeah, I'm going to tell everyone else that because if everyone ask, is asking me a question, it's clearly a question that is unanswered and one that people are vague about. So why don't I just enlighten them and tell them the answer? Yeah, that's a good point. Do you, do you remember anything uh, that, that went off where you had a lot of uh, strong responses? Was there any piece of content that you can oh, remember where one that went off was talking, was talking about negotiation? Mm. Um, so I put a video up the other day about, um, you know, agents, a lot of agents' inability to actually negotiate a, a transaction, which sounds funny, but in the last two years, all due respect, you haven't needed to be a very good negotiator to get a great result. Sure. Um, so I found it very strange that agents don't show their potential vendors how they actually go about negotiating the outcome. Yeah. And if a vendor asks them and they don't know how to do it, well, I'm pretty certain no matter what the fee is, I wouldn't go near that agent. Mm. So to me, it's just about, once again, enlightening the community that if they want to list a property, one of the main fundamental questions I need to ask is, how would you go about extracting the best result for me? Can you show me how you do that or can you talk me through it? It's a great question. And that, uh, that got a lot of traction. Mm. Um, it got a lot of agents annoyed, a lot messaged me saying, um, can you not like? Can you not sort of tell our secrets? Well, like there's no secrets. If a vendor can legitimately do what I can do, don't pay me my two percent plus GSC. Go do it yourself. Yep. But what they can't do is they might be able to use the words that I use, but they can't be in the moment and know that that individual they're negotiating with is an analytical type or is the type that um, wants to have a response right now, or they can't read the play like I can with 16 years of experience or like you can with all your experience. Mm. That's the reason why real estate agents will never become redundant because it's human to human and it's reading the play before it happens. It's like a game of chess. Yeah. I can tell you how the chess pieces all move, but can I tell you how to beat the person on the other side who's been doing it for 16 <laughs> years? No. 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 Negotiation's a funny one, isn't it? Uh, when you're selling a property by private sale or private treaty, naturally there's always going to be a negotiation. You're ready to roll in that realm. If a property passes in at auction and you've got a buyer there on the day, then that naturally you're entering into a post-auction negotiation. I reckon there's a misconception, Will, and I'd like your take on it, but people, there's some negotiating that can take place prior to a public auction starting. And I think there's a misconception that oh, well, the agent rocks up and the auction takes care of itself and it sells for whatever it sells for. Uh, I know from experience and, and not speaking about me, there's some people in our office that do that better than others, far better than others in terms of getting buyers to the start line with all of the knowledge and intel that they need and preparing them for different price brackets depending upon how many interested parties exist uh, at that one time. So... Uh, yeah, do you agree with that? There might be a misconception that the auction can take care of itself and there's not, not a lot of back work? Absolutely. I mean, you hear it yourself once again the last two years in the market is that vendors go, look, this house will sell itself. So, you know, basically they're saying, I'm just getting you as a convenience to me, but I could do it myself, but I just yeah. don't have the time or whatever. Yeah. So when's this Zoom cast coming out? Uh, today or tomorrow, we'll figure it out. Probably today. Right. I might be putting my foot in it, but the auction I have this coming Saturday, I have four bidders mm. and every one of them knows what their role in that auction is. I don't know who's going to be the ultimate buyer. 
I have someone starting the bidding at 1.1 million and I'm talking to them about, I'm going to go up in 25,000. I know that and they know that. So when I start my auction and I then call for an opening bid and I say, can I suggest an opening bid at 1.1? And I look at them and I nod, mm. they are going to put their hand up and open yeah. the bidding. What's the hardest bid to get at any auction? First one. So that's already taken care of. Now, that does that work 100% of the time? No. Sometimes people get gun shy. Sometimes circumstances change. But to an 80 or 90% guarantee, I know that that is occurring on Saturday. Is that luck? Is it hope? Is it, is it uh, anything else? No. I've, I've crafted that. Yeah. And that's only because over the last four weeks, I've built relationships with these buyers and I've told them that in their best interest, if you do this and the property passes in, you're going to be in the box seat to negotiate afterwards and all the stuff we know how to you know, talk to buyers about, how far it goes above the reserve is yet to be determined because yeah. often buyers tell you they won't go above 1.2 and they go to 1.25. Have they lied to us? No, they probably genuinely felt before the auction they wouldn't go above 1.2. They haven't lied to us or to themselves. That's what the competition created. And that's a figure that no one can guarantee or promise until the auction. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to turn up knowing that that's what's going to occur. Fantastic. Tell me, uh, what are your predictions for the, for the 2022 uh, Geelong market? Do you anticipate it will stay as hot as what it has in recent times? Are you, are you um, uh, not concerned, but are you, are you thinking about things like federal election, rate hikes, et cetera, that might put the brakes on what's been a pretty buoyant uh, market, COVID aside? So he, my wife and I have a, a, there's a big contentious issue between the two of us. And that is that I don't watch the news. I don't read anything. I don't know anything that's going out on outside of my world. Obviously I see Facebook and I see stuff that's going on. Yeah. She gets annoyed that I don't know, you know the world news. And the reason I don't know the world news is I don't give a shit and I can't control it. And what's what's 80% of the world news, negative or positive? It's, uh, it can be quite negative, Will. Yeah. So as human beings, we're kind of naturally sort of negative-minded. So why do I want something else to bring me down? So I know I haven't answered your question, but I, I, I'm, I'm giving you the reason that I'm, or the answer I'm about to give you is I can't determine what happens with the market. I can only control how I work and respond within that market. Yep. Is the market going to continue on? I don't think so. I think that we're going to have probably just a, a flattening of the market. I don't think it's going to go down. I don't think it's going to go up. I think if a property is worth a million bucks today, it's probably going to be worth a million bucks at the end of this year, give or take 5%. So that's just an ex a guess, an educated guess. If it drops by 20%, will I care? I'll care for vendors and I'll also care for buyers, but I can't control that. I can only work with the market that I've got. It's like a stock market. Whether it goes up or down, the stockbroker is not in control of that. They just work with the, the, the market. The difference with the stock market is you get to see daily the percentages of up and down. With real estate, it's a delayed thing. It's 90 days or 120 days before we can actually really categorically say the market's moved. Yep. So I'm not, I'm not going to worry about what happens. Okay. So if you think about buying a piece of real estate in Geelong, uh, you may uh, you may want to get in before some rate rate hikes go up. But uh, if you're dealing with Will, uh, then you're going to get uh, what are you going to get? You're going to get some top level service. You're going to get some good intel. But he doesn't care uh, respectfully uh, whether it goes up, down, or sideways. He's just going to uh, do what he does. 
I do care for my own personal um, benefit because you know I bought a a very expensive home last year that we yeah. probably can't afford. And if, if the interest rates go up and <laughs> we haven't sold our house that I'm currently doing this Zoom cast from, so if that goes down, I'm caught, you know, with the tide out and my pants down. So, yeah. I, of course, for my own self-benefit, I want the market to continue up. Can I control that? No. So I've bought that property knowing that if it goes up or down 5 or 10%, yep. so be it. So be it. So I think you're going to be in that house for a very long time. And I think it's going to be based on the fact that you're going to have some great success uh, at Gartland for many years to come. Mate, you look well, you look fit, you look healthy, you look passionate. Uh, Not that you ever lost any passion, by the way, but uh, you look like you're on fire uh, down there and and may continue for a long time. This will be on Spotify, it'll be on iTunes, it'll be on YouTube, it'll be on my Instagram account and uh, some other social media. And I reckon, Will, you might do the same and share it because if you haven't got any value out of the last 30 minutes or so then perhaps you haven't been tuning in and, and to be brutally honest well i don't find them but um mate thanks for being a part of zoomcast so i generally appreciate you uh, giving up some time during a pretty busy week and coming on thanks matt and uh before you do can this i just want to thank you mate you're doing this out of the kindness of your own heart with not just me but the other 22 people we've had on before and i know you put a lot of time and effort into this and um i appreciate you doing this for the industry mate so Uh, It's a better industry for what you're doing. So thank you. (laughs) Good on you, mate. Thanks for coming on. No worries. Thanks, Matt.